Good morning. It's good to see you. Hope you all had a, a good Thanksgiving. I uh, I did. I didn't start eating really. I you know had a little breakfast, started eating around two o'clock, and then just kept going. It was a good day. <laughs> I am really very grateful for uh, just God's goodness to us and all that He's all that He's provided. That's really what this series is about. Uh, we're we're looking at uh, what to give in return to God, the things that really please Him, that we can give to Him in return for His goodness to us. The first week, and we looked at how God's basically, He's given us life and everything else. <laughs> he's given us all of it. And He's also provided eternal life and eternal security. He's given us salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. He, he made us, he put us on this earth, and the scripture says that every one of us walked away from him, walked uh, uh, to live a life independent of him, and he has made a way for us to come back into a relationship with him, to turn around from going our own way, to experience eternal life in him, to reconnect with him and, and have salvation uh, from the spiritual death that we experience on our own. When we disconnect from God, God gives us our own way, and uh, we experience, Scripture says, eternal, eternal death. But we have life in Him. He gave us life, then He bought us back and gave us eternal life again, and purpose. He's given us uh, real purpose. Uh, today, we're looking at how we can return heartfelt praise to God. And today and over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to look at little snapshots from the Christmas story. We haven't been doing that yet in this series, but we're going to look at a little snapshot from the Christmas story that, that shows us the gifts that we can give in return to the Lord. Uh, one of the things that happened in the, the Christmas story, not just a story, but in the history of Christmas, is the Magi honored the king. They came to honor the Lord Jesus says in Matthew 2, 1 through 2, it says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born of the, uh, the king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. The star, which is a symbol we put on top of the Christmas tree and that you see a lot at Christmas time, this star guided the Magi to worship to the King Jesus so they could worship him. And that's, that's the symbolism of the star. It leads us to the place where we can worship uh, the Lord. Magi, we get our word magician from this. Um, but that current understanding of magician doesn't do justice to who these men were. They were uh, philosophers, priests, astronomers. They lived mainly in Persia and Arabia. They were from the east. They, they were learned men of these eastern nations. They were devoted to uh, astronomy, religion, and to medicine. They were held in high esteem by the courts, by the, the officials, by the king and his court. And they would be sought out for counsel. They many times went along with them to war. And uh, they were uh, there to give advice. And so these these were... These men themselves had a certain amount of status in the world. And so they, they saw the star. They were astronomers. They saw the star. 
they followed it to where Jesus was born. There was a great expectation. There was already a, a rumor, an expect, expectation in the world at this time that uh, a ruler would rise up from Judea to uh, get dominion over the entire world. Suetonius was a historian in, uh, from Rome, and he wrote, Throughout the whole of the East, there had spread an old and persistent belief Destiny had decreed that at the time, at that time, men coming forth from Judea would seize power and rule the world. So this, this expectation probably grew out of the, the fact that Jewish exiles were scattered throughout the world, particularly the East, Babylon, and uh, in Persia and that area. And so they, they held on to the prophecies about the coming king, about the Messiah who was going to come. And so this expectation spread throughout the entire world. And when the Magi saw the star, it guided them to Bethlehem, to where Jesus was born and and raised in the early months. probably took them several months from the time they saw the star to actually arrive in Bethlehem. Uh, It was 900 miles away. They, They would gather a caravan with camels and probably bodyguards, some military escort and some servants to help them. And so when they arrived in, when they went through Jerusalem, that got Herod's attention, King Herod of that area. It got his attention because it felt like, whoa, something's happening here. We're going to be invaded. And he wanted to know where this star was leading them. He asked them to come back and let him know where it finally led them so he could snuff out the threat to his throne. And as as you as you read in Matthew two, uh, they they ignored his request, but the star led them to Jesus, where they worship. It says here in Matthew two nine through eleven, after they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. So when they found the king, when they found the the one they were there to honor, they bowed and worshipped, and they gave him these gifts. This was how you showed in this day. This is how you... um, demonstrated your willingness to submit and obey the king. You bowed and worshipped and gave and gave gifts. And so that's the background. That's the background with which we're going to launch into uh, today's gift that we re- return to the Lord, which is uh, praise and worship, heartfelt praise. God, God wants us to give Praise and worship in return for his love. A pattern of heartfelt praise is something that we learn, like you have to teach children to say thank you. It's something that, that we have to cultivate and learn. It doesn't come naturally. It doesn't just, it doesn't just flow. Um, but what you find in Scripture is, first of all, it's the right response to God's mercy. Romans 12.1, So then, my friends, because of God's mercy... To us, I appeal to you 
Offer yourselves as a living sacrifice to God, dedicated to his surface, service and pleasing to him. This is the true worship that you should offer. So because of God's mercy, we offer ourselves. That's, that's the flow. As I mentioned before, out of mercy, God paid our debt in Jesus Christ. Because when we walked away from him, that cut us off from knowing God personally. And that was... The heart of sin, really. Sin piles up a debt to God because he made us and it's right for us to follow him. It's right for us to obey him, the one who made us. It's right to do what you were made to do. And so when we went independent, when we went rogue on God, we began to pile up a debt that that Jesus Christ paid. Ephesians 2, 4 through 5. It's not in your outline, it's not on the screen, but it's a, it's a great description of what God has done. Um, and it, it says, but because of God's great love for us, uh, he, I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> oh, that's exciting, isn't it, to draw a blank. Um, let me see if I can get it. But because of God's great love for us, hmm, okay. Trust me, check it out sometime. <laughs> Ephesians 2, 4 and 5. What it says is that even when we were dead in transgressions, he made us alive with Christ out of his mercy. In order that in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. So out of his mercy and his kindness, he made us right with God. He, he bought us back and we can reconnect with God. The, the right response to someone who gives you life and then buys it back and makes it so you can, he pays your debt and makes it so that you can have eternal life again, the right response is to return praise. We honor that one. We honor him. We give worship in return. What, what do you give the God who has everything? You, you give him yourself in worship. You return that to him. Secondly, praise and worship is the core, uh, it's the core objective of living. Ephesians 1, 11 and 12 says, In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. This is what he wants us to be. We exist that we might be for the praise of his glory. Those of us who commit our life to follow Christ, this is why we exist. For the praise of God's glory. Jesus taught us how to do that. In a couple of places, he gave, he gave some, some great teaching on how to do this. John 4, 23 and 24. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of the worshipers that the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. This is Jesus describing what kind of... He was in a discussion with a woman at the well who was a Samaritan and he was a Jewish man, and they were talking about where is the proper location for worship. Is it, is it, you know, the Samaritans believe it was on one mountain. The Jewish folks believe it was in Jerusalem. He said, no, that's not the point. 
The location isn't the point. It's how you worship. You worship in spirit. God, God he's seeking worshipers of a certain kind. He wants, he wants our hearts to be in it. We're to worship in spirit. We're not to just go through the motions of singing some songs or saying some words, reciting some things. But we're to worship with our heart, with, with the core of who we are and our inner being. And we're to worship in, in truth. You, you don't worship with your own ideas about God. That's what he's saying. You, you worship the God who is really there. Because we all have our ideas about God that are, that are pretty much ruined as you get into the Scripture. <laughs> you know, sometimes we come in to a relationship with God and we think that God uh, is, is there and if we'll connect with him, turn around and follow him, that he's going to make life easy. That, that, and, and we don't probably maybe consciously believe this, but we're shocked when we begin to follow him and life just doesn't go the way we want it to go. And we don't worship that God that we conjure up in our minds. Because if you worship the God you have in your mind, you stop worshiping him when life gets hard. You only, you're very shallow in your understanding of who he is and how he works in our lives. Um, if, if you think that God and you worship a God who's going to give you what you want, because there's an idea sometimes, if I have enough faith, then God's going to give me this thing I want, or he's going to make this situation turn out the way that I want it to. If I can just have enough, I, I was into that. I tried that in college for a while. <laughs> just, God, I really believe you, and I want to see you come through. I'd read books, and people would say this. Yeah, all right, I'm going to give that a shot. <laughs> it didn't work. I didn't get what I wanted. People who were sick didn't always get better. Things didn't just change. So my idea about God, if I worshipped the God that I believed was there at that time, I'm only going to worship for a little while because he doesn't give me what I want. So it's very important to worship God in truth. And part of what we're doing as we get together on Sundays, as you get into the scripture on your own, we're learning more and more about who God is. And we're to learn to worship him for who he is, in spirit, out of our heart of hearts, and in truth, for who he actually is. Instead of worshiping the one we think in our mind, we, we worship a God who walks through hard times with us and who uses those hard times for our good. We worship a God who doesn't give us what we want all the time, but he gives us what we need, and he withholds the things that wouldn't be the best. We can trust him to do that. Job, devastating losses. He lost everything. In Job 1.21, he talked about how the Lord gives and the Lord takes away, but the name of the Lord should be praised. Even, even in the, that's, that's instructive. <laughs> That tells you about who God is. Even in the losses of life, even in the devastation, he's to be praised because he is at work to, 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 make, to make things right in us. More of Jesus' instruction on how is found in Mark 12. 
Mark 12, 28 through 30. It says, one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Jesus was dialoguing, debating in the synagogue. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. So God wants me to love him, to worship. Worship is really loving God back. That's what it is. He wants me to love him passionately with my heart and soul. He wants me to love him thoughtfully in truth with all my mind. He doesn't just want to go on, us to go on autopilot and go through the motions. And he wants us to love him practically with my strength, with my gifts, my talents. Now, here's, here's a breakdown of what this means. First of all, we love God with all our heart and soul. I turn my affection to God. That's what that means. First John 4:19. we love because God first loved us. God is like a good father who enjoys his kids. <laughs> he, he delights in his children. Um, if, if you've ever been to a, a school performance as a parent, or maybe you've been around it where you watch the parents go, you know, ape over the kids. They're fighting. They've got the cameras and they're, they're watching and they're enjoying what the kids are doing. Really, honestly, the performance isn't that great. But it's the kids, the kids who are being enjoyed by their parents. That's that's God. He's made us and he wants us to get into a relationship with him where we can know him and where he can enjoy us more and more. He's 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 watching our lives being lived out and he takes delight in knowing us. Parents delight in their kids. God's not an angry tyrant. He, he, he wants us to know him and love him, and he wants us to, to experience his love. Hosea 6.6, 6, I want to show you love, or I want you to show love. This is God speaking through the prophet Hosea. I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings. You know how a parent feels when their kid says thank you? It's a good feeling. It warms their heart. And that's, that's how God is. This is how it is with God. He wants us to praise him. It pleases him when we thank and praise him for what he does. Worship is knowing and loving God in return. It's knowing him and loving him in return. Next thing we get from Jesus' statement, which is really a quote of a verse in the Old Testament, <clears throat> is that I'm, I'm to love God with all my mind. I focus my attention on God. Romans 8, 7 in the message uh, it says, Focus, focusing on the self is the opposite of focusing on God. Now, here's the problem. We're all, since, since we made that decision to go independent, we all tend to do this. Our worlds revolve around us. And we all tend to focus on ourselves. And, and not on God. Anyone completely absorbed in self ignores God, ends up thinking more about self than God, and that person who ignores God is that person ignores who God is, 
and what he is doing. And God isn't pleased at being ignored. Now, now we all struggle with getting wrapped up in our own little world, our own lives, and ignoring everything around us. Um, it's very easy to do, including God. We ignore him. Uh, a family that doesn't show interest in one another grows apart. If you don't focus your attention, kids who are ignored by their dads don't feel loved. Wives who are ignored by their husbands, same thing. And that, that's the way it is in, in our relationship with God. Attention is evidence of love. Interest and attention focused on someone is evidence of love. The perspective in the Bible is that God is watching all that we do. He is intensely interested in our lives. He loves us. He cares about us. He's paying attention. Loving God and worshiping him is returning that, that kind of love to him. It's setting time aside to give him your undivided attention. It's what we do when we sing on Sunday mornings. And then thinking of him all throughout the day as you live out your day. God, thank you for that. I praise you, God, for your power and how you're helping me with all this. So I focus my attention on God, my affection, my attention, and my strength. I, I use my abilities for God's purposes. Romans 12.1 in the paraphrase again. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. We were made for God's purpose and for God's pleasure. Now, we, we as human beings, we make stuff to use. We make it for a purpose. And... It's, it's, a, it's a fantastic thing when we use the, like tools. When you make a tool, when a tool is made and you use it for, it's very, very helpful. And it's a good thing. Like a screwdriver, you know, a screwdriver drives screws. That's what it's made to do. It's not such a good chisel. When you use it for a chisel, it can be frustrating. But when you use it for its purpose, it's useful and it lasts uh, for a while. There's not, as, not near as much frustration. We are wired to worship God. It's, it's in our DNA. We, we are made to worship him. We are made to honor him. We, we are so much wired to worship God that if we don't worship him, we're going to worship something. Something is going to be getting our affection, our attention, and we're going to be using our abilities to, um, out of worship of that thing. Some of the other things we worship are career, making money, retirement, pleasure, recreation, sex, even family. We can worship our family. Family is a good family, but it's not a good God. And so when, when we try to worship things that we weren't made to worship, it's like using a tool for the wrong purpose. We're using ourselves, our lives, for the wrong purpose. Focus on worshiping God and all these other things will be taken care of. Here's some reasons to praise and worship, just as we wrap up this morning. First of all, God is worthy of our praise. 
Psalm 29, ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. We worship God because it's due him. He, he deserves it. It's right for us to bring glory and worship to him. The English word praise can be traced to a Latin word, which means price. Prize is a word we get from that. Prize is a variant of that word. Originally, praise meant to set a price on something or to appraise it. So when we praise God, we place a high value on him and what he has done and still does in our lives. He, he is worthy. He is worth it. We're placing a high value when we give him the praise that we do. Another reason is to connect with God and get closer to him. Psalm 100 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Jesus started the, the Lord's Prayer. This is a, we, we enter his gates, we enter the presence of the Lord with thanksgiving and praise. Jesus started the Lord's Prayer in the same way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Holy is your name. You are holy, Lord God. You enter God's presence with praise and thanksgiving. This is the way you connect with God. The one who's given us life and salvation and purpose. We, we praise him and we thank him. Psalm 22.3 talks about how God inhabits the praises of his people. It's, that's also not on, on your listening guide or in the, on the screen. But another translation is God is enthroned on the praises of his people. He inhabits it. When, when we praise, we build a structure where God is praised and God inhabits that praise. And so he draws close in a special way as, as we worship him. We build a structure that he fills with his presence, not in a location, but in in our, own, in our own worship. Third, it brings a mindset of confidence and victory. I, I underestimated early in my life, uh, in my walk with the Lord, I underestimated the power of praise. I didn't realize the power of praise. I wasn't really much into singing. And uh, I, I would, I think I experienced the power of praise because I sang. I sang worship songs and I would say I went to a Christian high school, and I think I experienced the power of praise, but I didn't know quite what had happened. <laughs> but as you get into Scripture, you find out that praise is a very important part of our lives that gets us set. It gets our mindset for victory and confidence as we face life. King, King David, uh, some, someone's called him the singing warrior because <laughs> he, he led... Uh, the, the armies of Israel in battle and was a valiant warrior. But, but he knew praise to be something that lifted his sights from his circumstances and his enemies to God. Listen to Psalm 27, 6. And now my head will be lifted up above my enemies around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises. To the Lord, I've experienced this over and over again as I've praised God. 
as I've gone before him. I get up in the morning, I'm dreading the day, I'm weary. I, I don't really want to do what I have to do that day. I'm dragging. As I get time with God, as I get into his word, as I praise him, I always try to start my, my conversation with God with praise and thanks. God, holy are you, Lord. You're the one who made everything in this world. You run the universe, and yet you're paying attention to me. That's evidence of God's love. He is, he is paying attention to what I'm saying right there. I always try to start with that. And in the midst of that time, there is a shift in my spirit to hope and confidence. Happened this morning. I got up. I'm an introvert. I frankly didn't want to stand in front of two groups of people and talk. Sometimes I just don't want to do that. But as I, as I spent time with God, I asked God for help. God, help me. Because when I get like that, I'm like talking behind a veil, and it doesn't really help many people when I, when I stay in that state. But as I praised God, set some time aside, and I, I sang some songs to him, I, I read scripture, I prayed some scripture back to him that honors him, there was a shift in my spirit to hope and confidence in what I was going to do this morning. Happens over and over and over again. Like I said, early on, I underestimated the power of praise. And I don't know what you're dealing with this week. We've had a, a day of Thanksgiving. We have things going on this week in our work lives and our family life. We're dealing with trouble and we're struggling through things. If you'll set some time aside for praise, if you'll live your life before the living God, honoring him for the power and the strength and the help that he's giving you through your week, you will shift yourself to hope and confidence in him. Without that time with God, my batteries wear down. I just begin to grind to a halt. I need that. Praise is also a weapon in our spiritual battles. King Jehoshaphat of Israel set his heart on leading Israel back to following God's ways. He was threatened at one point by a vast army from Edom. Actually, three countries gathered against him. They were coming against him. He was completely outnumbered. His army, little tiny army of Israel, facing these three armies who were coming against him. He shows us what to do in battle. In his alarm, Scripture says Jehoshaphat resolved to go to the Lord. Here's an excerpt of what he prayed in front of the assembly of Israel. 2 Corinthians 26 and 12. I'm just giving you a couple of excerpts. O Lord God of our fathers, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. O oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. I don't know. You're, you may be in a situation where you're not quite sure what to do. It feels like you can't withstand in your own power, and that's probably the truth. But you can go before the living God. You can praise him. And that will shift your perspective to who's really in control. 
you can keep your eyes on him and ask him for the help to do the things that you need to do, and he will come through. Jehoshaphat's next move was to put in front of his armies men who were singing praises. So they're, they're going off the battle. The guys in front, they're singing. <laughs> the guys behind, they're ready to fight. As those guys led the, the army into the battle singing the praises of God, God confused the enemy and scattered them. They, they didn't, my understanding is they didn't have to swing a sword or a club. God, God won the victory. It's a very important weapon that we have in our arsenal that we don't use. Praise to the living God can bring victory. So when you're battling, take the time to praise God. When you're just struggling and battling and you're facing the, our, our spiritual enemy, take the time to praise him and let him confuse the enemy. I've seen this as well. God, God works through our praise. Fourth, it breaks through oppression. Psalm 42, 5, Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him. Even now, even though I'm disturbed within me, even though I'm depressed and I'm down and I'm, I'm struggling, I'm going to praise God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Praise lifts us out of our own oppression, selfishness, heaviness, weariness. Heartfelt praise breaks through all of these. Lamentations 3, 21 through 24. I, I can, Jeremiah wrote that book. I can relate to Jeremiah. He's sort of like an Eeyore kind of guy by nature. You know, oh, it's looking bad. You know, glass half, half uh, full or glass half empty, I mean, kind of guy. And Jeremiah is dealing with what's going on in the nation of Israel. And in Lamentations 3, 21, he says, But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. Never. He brings to mind the the character of his God, who's always there. His mercy and his kindness and his love and his faithfulness. He is always there. Many times we can choose to wallow in our sorrow, or worship the living God who is there to help us, to walk with us through whatever it is we're facing. Praise breaks through oppression. And finally, it brings deep satisfaction and peace. Psalm 63, 2 through 5. I I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and, and your glory because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips my mouth will praise you. There, there is a satisfaction that comes from praise that you can't get anywhere else. Isaiah 26.3 You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. It's focused on you because he trusts in you. That person trusts in the living God. Here's some next steps that you can take as a result of what we've looked at this morning. You can memorize Psalm 104, just to enter God's gates with praise and thanksgiving. Secondly, 
you could choose. You could just say, I'm going to praise God. You may be facing a challenge, some trouble, some kind of oppression. And you resolve, like Jehoshaphat, to praise God in the middle of that. I'm going to praise him in this. Then another step would be just set aside at least 10 minutes to praise God. You can either read back a psalm to him, use that to springboard your praise, sing a song, one of the songs we sing here or, or whatever, but you can, you, can, you can praise God for who he is and honor him. And then there's also, I think on the, the back of the connection card, there's a, a place to pray about, I will pray about and consider what I'm going to give to the Christmas offering. I wanted to give you an update this morning on the Christmas offering. I, I've been praying that God would just move the hearts of our people to give significantly to this so that we could bless the different ministries that we're giving to. Uh, the first $1,700 was, uh, is, is going to go to Randy and Crystal Paul in Central Asia. We're going to help them get an Internet connection. They're serving people there, and that will really bless them, help them in their ministry. Uh, the first check we opened out of, or the first envelope we opened from the Christmas offering was for $1,700. So that was kind of fun <laughs> to, to have that. That's covered, okay? So now we move on, and everything from here on is going to go to the other two places, 60% uh, to Thad and Rhonda King to help them uh, purchase a house. They're the minute, they're, he's the pastor of a church that was planted a few years back, and... The size church they are, the way the way it is, the, the the ministry tends to revolve around the pastor's house at that stage, and so it's going to be a real help to them as we bless them that way. Next week we're going to talk to Neil Walker about how God has blessed them with their house and answered that prayer, and then um, how God how they use their house in ministry. But 60% is going to go to that, and then 40% to a, uh, an offering that we send in to our group of churches to bless missionaries through, throughout the world. So I'm looking forward to seeing what God does. looks like he's in this, and uh, he's going to bless our offering. May he continue to move our hearts uh, to, to give. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness to us and your kindness, Father. We, we're, I'm amazed at your grace that... You are just so kind and faithful. Your mercies, they never end. They never come to an end. Your faithfulness is always there. So, God, I praise you and I honor you for who you are. And I'm glad, God, that you're not who I think you are, but you are who you are. And you take, you take things that we're going through and you use them to bless us. To, to train us, to discipline us at times, and to make us who you have, have made us to be. Thank you for the way that you do this, God. Help us learn to return praise in honor of you and what you do. We ask for your help in this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.